Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your sweating like a pig host, Javi Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first of all, I have to apologize because we are going to make a major change to the schedule here. Uh, I have to admit that it's just too much got in the way of me being able to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, Like his birthday! Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> Everybody wish Angel a dirty 30! <laughs> hey. And I may... Uh, you know, we'll probably have to push it back until uh, it comes out on digital. I mean, movies come out like two months later at this point. <laughs> anyway, oh no, so. I'm going to have to watch it again? How <laughs> terrible. So, what we're actually doing this week is another movie that we promised we wanted to get to at this some point this month, and that's 500 Days of Summer, which is uh, in 2009. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because the two movies we wanted to get through this summer are both about, like, heat waves. Yeah, no kidding. Well, one is in the, we're in the middle of a heat wave, and one is 500 Days of Summer, and heat wave summer, you fucking get it. <laughs> and then, you know, the other one is Do the Right Thing. So oh, you're <laughs> going to lo- you. love it with that one, because that one, like, heat plays into the plot of that film as well. Just like the heat of all the love in this movie. All right, yeah, <laughs> hey, sure. Yeah, I did it. I did the thing. All right. I brought it back. Um, I would have to ask you, what is your experience with this movie? Believe it or not, this is the first time I watched it was for this podcast, and which is today, actually. The, the first time I ever watched this film. The only experience I can tell you about is what's been spoiled for me on Facebook and through my friends and because you know like i remember seeing this when i was a angry edgy angsty 18 year old (laughs) going into college and being like love movies are stupid and i don't want to watch a love movie and then my friend was like it's not a love story and i didn't want to believe it (laughs) so i chose not to watch it but i a lot of people told me i would like it and i would relate to it and now I think that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I also have to apologize. Just in, if you do hear some noise in the background, uh, please bear with us. This is, this is one of the hottest days of the year, and uh, we needed fans on in the studio for yeah. us to be able to survive. <laughs> the freaking recording dungeon hot box we live in only has one, uh, only has one window, and that window leads to an outdoors that's 92 degrees right now. <laughs> Um, but my experience with this film is actually, okay, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here a little go bit, ahead. but you know, I feel like I grew up in a time when I got to watch when things evolved into something else. And I'll give you an example of that. A lot of people before Amazon became our corporate overlords that are going to overtake us all. Mm-hmm. Amazon started as a website where people sold books online. Yep. <laughs> Remember when Facebook was actually for college kids yeah. and you needed a college account to get on there? Yeah. Well, the point the point being in all of that is uh, the way I watched this movie for the first time was... Uh, Netflix I, DVD mailed to you? Exactly. Fucking knew it. Before Netflix was a movie studio and mainly just an over-the-top streaming service with original content, like, the original intent for Netflix was a way to rent uh, two DVDs a week. Yep. And uh, so what you would do is you would pick two movies out of a queue. You would uh, have the two movies delivered to you. You would watch both the DVDs. And then the moment you were done with it, you would mail it back. 
and they would send you the next two movies on your list. Remember, your cue, guys, that thing that you added uh, Orange is the New Black like six months ago <laughs> to get ready for the new season, but then it, you've never touched it? Yeah, that thing. But this time it's DVDs. And my understanding is they still offer that plan. Yeah, I'm sure they do. You know, it's just not And really, it's still stupidly expensive. It's just not what they're known for at this point. So, um, And really my way in getting on through all of that is, uh, you know, this movie came out in 2009. I was on Netflix in 2010. I was, I was a late arrival to Netflix, the original, like, inception of Netflix where it was still a DVD service. Yeah. Before it really went all the way to streaming. Um, and I, this, one of the movies that I wanted to watch was one that every single person that I worked with or went to school with had talked about. And that was this movie with starring Zoe Deschanel and, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And, um, everyone around me talked about it like it was this brand new rom-com that was right? coming out. Yeah, that was and, the vibe I got from it too. And a lot of people seemed to be under the impression that this is a love story and i really appreciate the fact that 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 i'm watching this movie like nine years after i watched it the first time because when you're old as fuck (laughs) well i just tell you this watching it as someone who was 21 years old is a very different experience you know from someone who is watching it as a 30 year old husband father and adult at this point in my life now, right? Like, it's just... I I feel like when I first watched this movie, I was very much like the character of Tom, who is the main character of this film, in that I kind of lived in a fantasy world. Um, And now, you know, I'm definitely more in reality at this point. And I think that this movie is kind of... You're watching a character that's going to go through that. And, um... You... I, I mean, honestly, I would be surprised if people didn't watch this movie and specifically guys right yeah i'd be very surprised if guys our age in your mid to late mid to late 20s almost 30s you watch this movie and you don't cringe at a certain point because this movie is very relatable and but for like terrible reasons well it's also just like a 2000s movie like it, it's 10 years old this is the 10th anniversary of it this this uh this summer and it really does take me back to a time that doesn't exist anymore yeah when hipsterism started being a thing <laughs> and god just the music alone took me back because it was all literally indie rock and alternative music like freaking oh god what was the uh who was it that i kept saying like it was like bands i would hear on um on live 105 back in like when live uh Live 105 was just, like, hipster music. There was, like, Temper Trap. There was, like, Simon and Garfield. Wolf Mother. <laughs> I'm just, like, going through the soundtrack list right now. It's, it was so weird because it was, like, that weird... Like, I really do relate this this film to, like... I'm going to tie it to my early college years from now on because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the movie really revolves around one character, uh, Tom Hansen. Who is in love, or seems to have, you know, the chronicles his relationship with Summer Finn. And uh, one of the really interesting things about this movie is that I realized about it, coming back to it now, is that it's 
it's really not a, I mean for sure it tells you in the very beginning that it's not a love story it's really not a love story no not at uh, all um, to me it just seems like a film that chronicles a failed romance mm-hmm. and it also really what it what it uh, works in is that it allows you to watch the character of Tom kind of grow up and grow out of what I will call well what everyone calls now the nice guy like you know the nice guy phase of being a young man i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah. point is like everyone knows the nice guy i think everyone at some point has gone through the nice guy phase which is that idea that if you just do the bare minimum and you're nice to somebody you're going to be rewarded with love and affection and sex and you know i think a lot of us thought that way and when that didn't work a lot of us assumed Oh, man, she just sees us as a friend. She's putting me in the friend zone. You know, that super made-up, like, place of existence that we put all our fragile emotions in. Yeah, let's be clear. We are very much not in the, what you would call the, what what is it, the... Mas- the fragile masculinity camp of guys who... You know, there's a misconception about men in relationships where... It's like women only exist to serve all of your needs and wants. Yeah, that's right. That's how it should be. (laughs) And even as someone who has, you know, been in a wonderful relationship for over a decade and happily married for four years, uh, even I'm guilty of lots of situations where I have to be reminded of the fact that men do get egotistical and we do focus on our own needs and wants and we forget that the women in our lives are human beings with their own thoughts and minds. And the character of Summer, like when I first watched it as a younger person, I was, okay, I was a couple years out of a relationship, you know, that lasted mm-hmm. for several years. And I, this movie really, really brought me back to the idea of a failed romance where, you know, when something does first end with somebody, one of the things that you cannot stop thinking about is really all the wonderful moments that you made together. Yep. A relationship, when you are part of it, is just a collection of really wonderful moments, right? And I think Tom's character seems to be someone who's very... He's in love with a kind of movie, pop culture, idealized version of what he thinks romance is supposed to be. Yep. You know? um, He's in love with love. And he's in love with the idea of love. And he wants to force that on somebody who just isn't ready for it. Someone who tells him right from the beginning that that's not what they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, Tom, of course, like any other guy in his position in your in your in your uh, early to mid twenties, you don't think about what other people want. You think about how it affects you and how it's about your needs, right? Yeah. So and, this and, is, and I don't think he's a guilty person for wanting that. Like, I mean, when you're in your early twenties to mid twenties, like you are very much trying to break into a career that you're trying to get into. You're trying to kind of live on your own for the first time in many cases for many people um and you're trying to decide who you're gonna be for the next 40 50 years of your life right you know? like that's the big thing is that's why i hate the idea of a whole finding yourself oh you gotta go find yourself right it's like no like 
you're not finding anything. You're trying to create your identity, right? And that's right. What a big part of what your early 20s are. But so, another part of it is also you have to get it is that there's, and I particularly I see this in people who are not in, who I know that are not in long term relationships, are that they have this idea of what they think a relationship is supposed to be like. And we're kind of a culture now, like, in terms of where, like, you see memes and videos all over the internet where you're like, every man should do this for their woman. Like, wow, these are the best couple goals things I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, you know, nothing, nothing is that definitive. And one of the things I appreciate about this movie, and we'll get into it, is that there is a character who kind of gives you the point of the film when we get towards he the end. straight up says it, essentially. <laughs> One of the reasons why this movie was so big and why it is still remembered ten years later is it's very stylized. Oh yeah, like, especially given the time, it's a very, uh, like, I told Angel when we were watching it, it's a very artsy movie. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of uh, interesting, kind of like, um, I don't want to say cinematography, like, chances or anything but it just does things differently than other movies are you know well, yeah you get and you're even gonna get animated birds in this movie at hell some yeah <laughs> when you make the sex so good to to a sweet young lady that she <laughs> produces birds uh the film is uh, directed by mark webb who people now may remember as the unfortunate director of the ill-fated amazing spider-man series <laughs> um and really, this movie is the reason why he was brought on for Amazing Spider-Man. Like, when I want you to connect those dots for me. Well, and I'll put it to you this way. I was very excited when Amazing Spider-Man was going to come out. It was a different time then, obviously. Because I thought, hey, they're going to make Spider-Man more like Batman Begins. So it's going to be darker and grittier. You were wrong. <laughs> you were super wrong. Um, and the director that's coming on board to do it is Mark Webb, the guy who made this really great, awesome romantic comedy. Yeah, remember that rom-com? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. I want a rom-com director directing my stupid, dark installment of a superhero movie. Well, considering the fact that the entire, uh, what I thought the point of Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 was supposed to be was I thought it was going to be around the ill-fated, doomed relationship between Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. And I figured that this would be the right director to kind of do that. So I I can understand why I thought that. But so you <laughs> wanted Summer to die in <laughs> no. this movie. You guys heard that Angel Hates Women. <laughs> um, no, and it's just, uh, you know, it, it I, I just thought differently then it's it's one of those things where it's like this movie is so i feel like it's very misremembered for all the wrong things well i think now people finally get it but i think when it first came out people were like they thought it was just such a different rom-com right yeah well this was and this is where a lot of people were just kind of starting to get popular like so, like the main actors in this film like uh, chloe grace moretz was in this and she was like what 10 years old or something like that yep. she was very young and now obviously we see her as an adult like you know who still does these like dingy little indie movies from time to time in Zombieland too. yeah and um all right quick tangent i remember uh when the Zombieland 2 trailer dropped and I, like i watched it and i was like oh yeah that looks kind of that looks kind of humorous and then uh I was scrolling through the comment section to see what my fellow movie-loving internet crowd was saying. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was a person that was like, 
oh yeah, I waited 10 years for this. And I was like, really? Like, like yeah, the first one was good, but you really waited 10 years for this? You know, we live in a culture where people want to jump on the hype of anything. So they want to hype things right from the beginning? Right. Yeah. So people They're not like us. We wait 10 years for that hype to die, and then we <laughs> talk about that movie. <laughs> um... This was also the first time I had ever seen... I mean, I know she was in, like, an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but this was the first time that I would really seen Zoe Deschanel in anything. Wait, which M. Night Shyamalan movie? Was it The Happening? Happening. Yeah, yeah. she wasn't that. Yeah. Forgot. And she... So, two years after this is when she would be on New Girl, which is the sitcom on Fox, and that series, I watched it. I watched all the seasons that were there, and she is such a likable character in that series and she and I, it was, kind of plays summer but like funnier you know what it is i i think i don't think she plays summer she plays a very different character a lot more kind of like i feel like less self-serious where i feel like no, this that's is like a, a funny version of summer to like me, a, because i feel like this was a period of time where she was still trying to be a lot more serious and hadn't really like I mean, unless you're in a sitcom, you're not really going to show that much of your personality in a, in a role. Like, mm-hmm. many times I feel like in film, you'll do what the character needs you to do. Which, unfortunately, she comes off as a little one-note in this. Um, well, I mean, what? Her biggest thing is that she's quirky and likes weird music. Or she likes, like, hipster music and happens to like the same things that Tom likes. Yeah, her character in New Girl wasn't nearly as much of a hipster as this one is. <laughs> Well, I think I just relate that show with hipsters in general. (laughs) Because I like that show, and I'm kind of a hipster, but I'm like a proto-hipster. Alright, you know what? Less about me. Back to the movie. This is a film also where it was the... It was really, like, the beginning of millennials are becoming adults now. And entering the workforce and apartment living and all that kind of stuff. And getting our pop vinyl dolls. (laughs) This film is on... It takes place in Los Angeles, and much like the Netflix series Love which is a fantastic series that also kind of, like, that does similar things to what this does. Mm-hmm. Um, they show L.A. as a place that you really wish you could live in, whereas, like, you know, being people that have seen L.A. in person and visited frequently, I don't feel that way about L.A. when I see <laughs> it in real life. You know, you don't really think about L.A. with the terrible housing crisis and... Well, when you watch this movie, you're just like, man, I mean, ten years later, there's going to be human feces on the street. Well, you know, we also, like, w- romanticize films like Zodiac, and we also live in the Bay Area, and we know what being in San Francisco is really oh, like. <laughs> well, you're more likely to stand in human shit than dog shit. <laughs> I, I love the city by the bay. <laughs> Um, an- another question I really kind of had to myself while I was watching this was, I wonder if people who are the age that I was when I initially saw this, but growing up in 2018, 2019, would they relate to this movie now? Because I don't think that, like, I I don't think the character of Tom is that relatable anymore. I don't think Tom has aged well, and, like, if you ask me, which I'm assuming you are, like, the thing about Tom is that if you still relate to Tom, and you're in your late 20s, you haven't grown Mm -hmm. enough. You know, and I think that sounds a little bit harsh, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's kind of the truth. Like, if you still see this character and you think that, and, like, you still relate to him, like, you still, 
you still blame other people for not fitting into your goals and you still like uh, are trying to force these ideas onto other people yeah you're kind of kind of got to get with the program you know what i'm saying yeah and it's also just like okay so this movie does not go in a linear fashion so we really cannot go through it scene by scene as we would a normal film that we review on the show so the film really does start with uh the end of a, the end of the relationship. It shows uh, like uh, right in the middle of the five hundred days. Like yeah, like it has three hundred whatever. Chloe Moretz is is going into his apartment, and uh, obviously she's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character's uh, younger sister, uh, and she decides to you know where they go ahead and they talk to him and they ask him what happened. And the whole time he's just smashing like plates on the floor <laughs> yeah. like in a very melodramatic but like. Like, the action is melodramatic, but he's just stone-faced. Oh, my God. But you know what? Like, That's this... That's the type of shit I would have done. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of shit that you do when you get out of a relationship. When you're in a situation where you ended a relationship with someone that you were with for a long time, and that you had made all these illusions about the fact that you guys were going to be together forever, and you had all these, like, Disney ideas in your head, <laughs> as I would probably call them, That's good as, way putting it. as to how you thought things were going to go, it kind of does destroy your world when that suddenly comes to an end, mm-hmm. and you become very irrational. In fact, there's moments where you... There's moments where I've had, like, borderline creepy-ass behavior. Like, Mm -hmm. if I looked at myself now and saw what I was like 10, 11 years ago, like, I would be creeped the fuck out by B. (laughs) Start doing Marky Mark and freaking, what is it, fear? Just show up, start yelling outside of your ex-girlfriend's house. (laughs) Just, like, gorilla noises. No, that's normal. That's just Angel. He's fine. Ah! Ah! Um, and so you know, you you kind of go back, and when you go back in time and you relive some of the moments of a relationship, the only perspective you can ever look at it from is what everyone else did to me. Yep. And Why that, me? Yeah. And the funny thing when you're watching this is that again, like you had mentioned before, the character of Summer repeatedly tells Tom that she's not looking for a relationship with him mm-hmm. and she's not interested in him in the same way that that he's interested in her she does have some sort of romantic feeling for him mm-hmm. but even she can't really figure it out and the thing is about this is that this is a very complicated relationship it's a relationship of people in their 20s trying to figure shit out yeah it's one of those relationships that's doomed to fail. It's one of those relationships where people are trying to learn how to be with somebody. And unfortunately, this is what happens. Um, one of the first things I note is that, and I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there's this part where, like, Tom and Summer are, like, hanging out. And Summer, I think it's when they're in Ikea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, oh, we can go in depth on the Ikea scene, because you worked at Ikea, so I want to hear your perspective. <laughs> no, all, <laughs> I, all I know is that, like, okay, around the time that this movie came out, I was working at Ikea. Yeah. And, like, people at Ikea, I am 1,000% sure, have done bullshit like this. <laughs> And just start so pretty much what we're talking about is they're going around IKEA, they're pretending they like live in this house and like, you know, 
Fucking JGL's being witty as fuck, being like, oh, well, I'm tired of this kitchen. Good thing we bought a house with a second kitchen. <laughs> and they, like, slide over to another display set, and then they just, like, start kissing on the on the furniture and shit. And I told Angel, I looked right at him, I'm like, how many people do you think went into Ikea while you were working there trying to recreate, like, scenes oh, from this on. movie? I'm sure a ton did. I'm sure people are doing it now. Um, <laughs> Ten years later, <laughs> motherfuckers is still doing this shit. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's what I mean, like, when I keep saying collection of moments, like, I think the reason why this is so heartbreaking for Tom and why he's having such a hard time accepting that she was not the one is that you do go back and you see them have these really sweet, mm-hmm. fantastic moments. But even in that moment, like, the Ikea moment, like I was saying, she straight up tells him, yeah. look, I'm not looking for something important, I'm not looking for something serious, you know, I'm looking for friends, and she's like, are you cool with that? Because I want you to freak out. And he mm-hmm. says, yes. Yeah. Now, the whole, you know, and older he's, guy. And he's kind of obsessed with it because the first time that they meet is when they're on the elevator. Like, they both work in the same office. She's the At assist- a greeting card company. <laughs> she's the assistant to the, to the whoever the manager is. Yeah. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character works, I guess, in the greeting card He's a greeting card writer. He yeah. writes for whatever, like, he comes up with whatever cheesy shit you see in Hallmark cards. Yeah. But it comes um, up It comes up several times that, that really what he's interested in is building architecture. Yeah, he's in... What a fucking nerd. God damn. I mean, I work with, I work with building engineers, so what am I going to tell you? More nerds. Oh, God, I'm surrounded by nerds. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so they meet while working here, and they meet on the most pretentious thing ever is their fucking shared love of the Smiths. And I'm just like, oh my god, people that look... I don't know, like... Oh, this is just like a... This this film was a bonanza of, like, just hipster music. I just hate when people make their... From 2009. I know, <laughs> oh my god. I, like, my thing is, I just, I just hate when people make something they like a personality trait. Like, we get it, you like fucking music good for fucking you yeah but yeah that's what kind of brings them together is that summer recognizes that that he he's listening to the smiths and that's kind of what leads him to to actually try to pursue conversation with her well he thinks he tries anyway yeah he thinks of it as as like this moment of fate right when mm-hmm. this happens and how, like, this is supposed to be a telltale sign that they're going to oh be together God. forever. Oh and God. that this is going to be the beginning of the rest of his oh life. Oh my God, stop saying that. That's the shit I used to think. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone does. Everyone does. Like, it is something. And it's not like it's TV and movies fault. It's just, we don't know what this is yet. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like, that is how this works. Um, and it's really him, like, coming around to the idea of what things are really supposed to be like. Uh, so they go out to they go to karaoke drink, bar. Like karaoke bar. Everyone in the office and and oh, mind you, I'm sorry. Before leading up to the karaoke bar, there's this interesting scene where, um, right off the bat, uh, one of Tom's friends was like, "Oh yeah, you know, so and so tried talking to her. She just didn't give him the time of day. She's a total bitch." Yeah. And then like. It was, it was really interesting because that was, like, the type of conversations that, you know, like, when you would try hitting on a girl. Well, it's been a while since you tried hitting on a girl. But you know that old yes, thing? Yes, I you, know exactly what that feels like. You know when you, I have recently done this. <laughs> Bruh, man, if you don't hit on your wife all the time. Yeah, like, but, obviously, yeah. but... I, it's different. Like I can tell my wife how attractive I think she is, but, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not me 
meeting someone that I've never met before and yeah. trying to stir up conversation. What it was is it was one of those moments where I'd be like, hey, yo, Ma, you looking good today. And then she goes, yeah, whatever. And then you're like, bitch, fuck you. You <laughs> yeah. ugly anyway, you know? Yeah. Like, it was literally one of those moments. And I was like, that's the type of shit you would do when you were fucking rejected. Well, know, it's right funny, too, because, like, when he's trying to get Summer to notice him, like he'll oh my God. he'll listen to the song that like she mentioned puts inside it, the elevator. Puts it extra loud. Um, I'm cringing because that's the dumb shit I would do. Yeah, like again. Oh, oh wait, you like Lincoln Park? No, no, no. Puts on like freaking Breaking the Habit. Super. Well, loud. the thing is too, like quote unquote nice guys, which I think we at, at certain points in our lives, I think both of us probably thought we were that. You know, like you don't you don't hit on women like in a way that's very aggressive and overbearing. Yep. So what you try to do is you try to do all this weird shit that kind of catches their attention without really understanding that that's kind of equally as creepy in its own way. Shut up! I wanted my nice guy bucks. <laughs> I wanted to cash it in for some sweet sweet sniffs. <laughs> um, but eventually, you know, at this karaoke bar that everyone in the office goes to is when they actually do start talking to each other. And uh, one of JDL's friends, who is the guy who works with him at the greeting card company, because he has two of them. Yeah. One of them is the guy, the, the curly-haired guy who works yeah. with him. And then there's the other one who, I guess, is like his best friend since grade school and who's been with his wife for his entire life. Pretty much, yeah. So, it's just like... You know, it's it's two friends that have two very different experiences with love. His coworker has none, mm-hmm. and his other and his other best friend like has like the experience of being someone who they were with forever, right? Yep. And being and that and kind yeah. of stuff is understandable too. Like, there's lots of people who they will meet that one person that they're gonna be with forever on their first try at a very young age and that's their life there's we no both have we are both going to a wedding of a couple people that did that and it's very <laughs> impressive that people are able to pull that off yeah you know? it's like it's everything is very personal you know like and i think one of the things that that we need to learn and what tom does learn in the course of this film is that he needs an experience that's going to shatter those perceptions for him mm-hmm. and boy howdy does it happen <laughs> yeah so he takes, when he and Summer do start dating after this karaoke bar where his friend kind of like drunkenly ad- admits that, you know, that Tom likes her. He just kind of forces them together, yeah. Exactly. And they, so, so Tom will take her to places in the city that he likes. He essentially takes her to do all these things that he thinks are really cool. Yep. And he wants her to kind of like those things equally as much as he does. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's something else that we do when we're not fully seeing someone as a real person and we're more in love with the idea of them. Yep. Like, I've seen lots of pe- lots of things where they, like, where they've referred to the character of Summer as, what is it, like, the manic pixie girl? Manic like, pixie dream girl. Yeah. That was, like, yeah, it was this whole thing of, like, a girl that's so eclectic and different, but, like, she's the one you put all your fucking like hopes and dreams into because she's so different because she's not like most girls and shit like that and And that's where that trope came from and you know what and there's another movie that is a favorite movie of mine garden state that does there's another movie that's a favorite movie of mine that does this and scott pilgrim no well that that i'm just gonna keep guessing it does it does but i'm actually talking about can't hardly wait oh jennifer love hewitt's character in that film is uh, the guy who is the girl who Ethan Embry is like 
entire life like <laughs> revolves around and he's a fright like you that movie does not age very well other than the fact that you know it's just quintessentially 90s and i love it it's the characters in that movie are just ridiculous to a degree that i can't even <laughs> begin to tell you mm-hmm. um but it's like, you know, yeah, I don't think that Summer is that. I think Summer is someone who is a much more defined character than than Tom wants to believe that she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom is very egotistical. He's very stuck in uh, his own way. I wouldn't say egotistical. He's egocentric. Egocentric yeah. is the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, he's very egocentric. Everything is focused on what he wants to happen. And I think yeah. it does it in simple moments as well. Like the moment when they're... Uh, God, is it like a, at a cafe or something? Right before when they're planning on whether they're going to go see a movie. And Tom, like, instead would rather go to Summer's home instead. Yeah, like he keeps trying like to she push wants, it. Yeah. yeah, like she wants to go watch The Graduate and he wants to go do something else. And it looks like even when they go, it's like very miserable. And... That is funny, too, because I had flashbacks watching this to moments in a, you know, in a, let's call it otherwise doomed relationship, where you do, like, where you do recall moments where you made somebody else feel absolutely miserable, but because they got so used to the way that things are, instead of wanting to tell you exactly how they felt, they just went along with it. They go along with it but because they say it. Well, <laughs> the the important thing to always remember, and this is this goes for me too now, is relationships are comfortable. Yep, very you easy know? to get comfortable once like, you get in a rut. It's or, it's pattern. It, it's easy to it's easy to gain weight. It's easy to you know give up on other things that you wanted to do in your life, like. Or kind of put a lot of other things on hold, right? Mm-hmm. Because the relationship kind of takes precedence over everything else. Um, these are it, these are things that we all do. We're all guilty of this. But I, I think that that's part of what... Like, I don't think Summer is wrong for not really understanding how she was feeling. No, not at all. Like, in... No, like, yeah, honestly, that... She was trying to figure shit out. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's simple as that, right? Yep. Um, what was it? There was uh, one thing I wanted to point out. I think it was when Tom got super drunk. Mm-hmm. Just because I made a joke about it earlier. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things. Like, man, how come when JGL gets drunk and, like, gets in belligerent and starts singing loudly, everyone, like, enjoys it. But when I do it, I'm causing a scene. <laughs> And well, sir, this is a bar mitzvah. <laughs> well, he also gets into a fight in this movie. Which yeah, I, he sure I does. I completely forgotten about <laughs> he that. He gets his shit rocked. <laughs> but it's a really interesting fight. Um, well, it's an interesting fight because it's 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 in flashback form going back to where it looks like this is where the relationship was already souring at this point. Yeah, like at this point... Like he's judgmentally talking about other people in this bar. Oh my god, and then, and that's then, all shit I used to do. And then, and then like compare... And basically weaponizing how Summer dresses and how she acts and all that kind of stuff against other women who are in this bar. And then even she's like, dude, like, calm down. Yeah, like, like people want to enjoy things. She is very, like, turned off by just the idea of that period. Yeah. And right at that is as that is happening, there's another guy who's kind of creepy and gross that comes up to her and tries to hit on her, and she's absolutely not interested. And 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's where Tom decides to fight back, right? <laughs> well, he and the, here's where it's interesting, right? Because Tom, for all intents and purposes, understands that this is nothing, quote-unquote, serious. Yeah. He doesn't stand up to the guy until the very end, right before he punches him in the face. But he never once says, hey, back off, buddy, or hey, that's my girl, pal, or some shit like that, right? Like, honestly, like... I think it's out of his own frustration. Like, yeah. He punches it, this guy out of his own frustration because... he can't do he that. He can't, yeah. Because he knows Summer, he knows what the deal is with Summer, and Summer honestly doesn't need him to protect her, stand up for her. Because yep. she does it herself. She kind of checks the dude and puts him in his place. And Tom, again, when we have fragile male egos and we feel like we need to compensate for some shit, we lash out and we do shit we don't normally do. Mm -hmm. JGL is a tiny dude in this movie. And he straight up cold cocks the guy. And you, he smiles at Summer like that was some good thing he did. Only for him to get his ass kicked, you know? Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like he also gets really angry because they get into an argument after they come back from the bar. Mm -hmm. Where he, he says, I got my ass kicked for you. To which, which she's like, <laughs> no one asked you to. Yeah. It's like, congratulations, you did something that no one really asked you to do in the first place. Literally nobody asked you to get punched in the face. And then after that, like, that's where, you know, like, she again repeats to him that, that, that they're just friends and he, in a fit of rage, just gets angry and... He goes, friends my balls! Yeah. And then he talks about all these, like, couple things they do. And this is what... And, you know, this is what, what what takes me back to when I was that age, right? When I was in my late teens, early 20s, where I would I remember having that exact same argument with somebody that I was seeing at the time, mm -hmm. or who I thought I was seeing like that at the time, and being like, we do all this shit, blah, 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 you know? Like, fuck that, but then it goes back. And it's one of those things I had to learn to check myself, that, you know, it wasn't my feelings that mattered at the point at that point it was between the both of us and mm -hmm. i just didn't have regard for someone else just like tom didn't have any regard for summer in this case yeah um and it's just one of those things like it really like this movie really like put me in that weird head place from when i wasn't like a kid i don't think i've ever related to a movie that we've done on this show as much as i did to this one mm, Nah, i related to into the spider-verse pretty hard oh yeah i'm sure <laughs> I remember being a young man and watching my hero die and then having to assume his roles. <laughs> nah, never mind. I probably related to the love story in Star Wars Episode 2. <laughs> I related to the love story in... I was gonna say The Mummy or some shit. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, yeah, so... so you know, there is the day where they are hanging out in the cafe. Or no, they, they go to the uh, the record store. And Summer doesn't really seem to be, like, interested in Tom anymore. She doesn't really want to hold hands anymore. Mm -hmm. You can tell that all the experiences that they've had at this point and the fact that this guy just doesn't get it has really just turned her off. He doesn't get it to the point where he thinks the graduate's ending was a happy ending because they ended up together. Completely ignoring the fact that, I forgot what the actress's name was it. I can't tell you. I'd have to look on IMDb. But, yeah, like, uh, to the point, like, ignoring the fact that she kind of, like, she's all smiling when her and uh, Dustin Hoffman get in the, in the back of the car. And then, like, she immediately, like, that realization of what she's going to do for the rest of her life just kind of, like, sets in. 
And then, like, Summer relates to that because she do- she just wants to have fun. She wants to have a good time. You know what's funny is that watching that, I I also had that mistaken greeting, the, Were, that reading, really? reading of The Graduate when I was younger. And yeah. you thought The Graduate was, like, a happy ending? He's like, and oh, I the watched, guy finally got the girl. And I watched it for a film class. I'm glad, <laughs> I, I'm glad I didn't write a paper on it. But You yeah. would have got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, very clearly, and, you know, Summer relates to that, and she comes out of the movie theater crying, and then Tom's like, what are you doing? I thought that was a happy movie. <laughs> And yeah. then they go to the record store. He tries to, you know, he tries to he tries to show her the Ringo Starr album because she loves Ringo. She just kind of brushes it off. Well, th- then she does. She kind of wants to call it a day, and she doesn't really want to spend time with him anymore for the rest of the day. To which he basically forces her to have dinner with him, a dinner of pancakes for whatever reason. Uh, pancakes are delicious. Well, pancakes are delicious, <laughs> but. I don't recall Summer saying at any point that pancakes is what she was interested in. Again, getting. it's because he wanted yeah. pancakes. I think that is important to note. And that is basically the point in which uh, Summer just admits to him that she doesn't think that they should see each other anymore. And this crushes Tom. Yeah. And this crushes Tom in a way that I think all of us need to experience at some point in our lives. Because one of two things, you're either only going to get better or you're going to keep doing the same shit. But it's the type of, like, devastating breakup that really makes you examine who you are. It's, as someone who's experienced this kind of breakup before at a younger point in my life... It feels like the death of someone that you know. Like, there is a moment where you have to grieve for everything that's been lost. And it's not particularly the fact that you broke up with somebody. But one of the things that you have to come to grips with is the fact that your illusion has been shattered. And that you have to get over the idea of that person that you were so in love with for so long. hmm You know? Because... And... and Sometimes you're in a relationship with someone and both of you grow apart and you get older and yeah. you know your interests diverge. Like what you it's for some people they may be interested in the same thing forever and that's perfectly fine and normal, but for some people they go through a myriad of changes in their life. You know, and I and it's funny it's funny this record store scene because I've definitely experienced a scene like that in my life where you just find out that you have a fundamental difference with someone but you don't see it until after it's been over for a long time and yeah. so you and then you've gotten over it and then you've like dealt with everything that you've had to deal with mm-hmm. it's hindsight this movie is a lot about hindsight mind you this happens 290 days into the 500 days of, of uh Tom meeting Summer yeah so there's a sizable amount of these days that are post summer yeah like almost more than or almost a little bit less than half right and it's interesting because this entire time, the person that's probably... The two people giving him the, the best advice are obviously the friend that's been married for X amount of years with... Or with the girl that he's been with since he was a kid. And his half-sister, Chloe Moretz, right? Yeah. You know, she's the one that was like, hey, if you are really have questions about what you and Summer are, is you gotta go ask her. Yeah. And she's the one that... Um, and I love the line she says at one point, in the begin, like close to the beginning of the relationship, where she says... Um, she's not the one just because she likes the same weird shit you do. Yeah. And I was like, damn, 
Where was Chloe Moretz when I was in college? Because I need to hear that shit. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's... it's So Summer quits the greeting card job. And the, the other one that I really kind of hit home for me, too, was when the movie goes into this weird, like, documentary section. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> Where it, like, interviews, like, Tom and his two friends... And well, it even his boss and like several people, but it the real focus is on Tom's friends, where they talk about like you know what their idea of love is, and I think his childhood friend whose name is escaping me right now at this point. What is it? It is. Well, I know one of them was like, "I want a girl that's cute," which is debatable, but with bodacious tatas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I, I think Mackenzie was, was that one. Yeah. And his coworker, well, his coworker Mackenzie was the guy who was talking Paul, about Tata. Paul was the one that got married. Yeah, Paul's the one who got married to his like childhood sweetheart. And one of the things that he said that was great, like he he basically discussed, he basically described what his perfect woman would be like, mm-hmm. and talks about all the ideal attributes that someone would have. That she's smoking hot. That uh, what was it? I forgot what else. He yeah, they basically saying that it would look very different. From who but, the person he's married to. Yeah, which his wife's name is Robin, I think. And then at the end of all of that is when he says, but you know what? Robin is better than my dream girl because she's real. Oh, you know, that's when you got when you tear up a little bit <laughs> and you're like, damn, damn, son, dropping knowledge. Well, you realize that his friend, is, his friend Paul is actually the only one who's experienced real love. Until yep. this point, because that is exactly what real love is, and that is what I can tell you as now a thirty-year-old adult male who's married, who's who's watching this movie again. That is what it's like. You're you're over the illusions of youth, and you're living in the reality of adulthood. But that stuff is not bad, you know. Like there are moments, like this movie talks about younger twenties moments and late teens moments that are like moments in your life that you'll never forget. And it puts a focus on them because they are important moments in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that you may have dated when you were younger and stuff, those were always those are always going to be moments that you'll remember for the rest of your life because it's a part of your youth, right? Yep. But once you're in actual real love with someone, then you get to make different kinds of memories. And I would say this is someone who is, you know, again, I know what it's like to have a wedding day. I know what it's like to be in the delivery room when your first child is born. And those things are things that you don't think about at that age. But they are more real than anything that you could ever imagine in your life. Fun fact, viewers. I mean, listeners. I was there for one of those days. (laughs) I'll let y'all guess which one. Um, And it's just, you know, you, you realize that, you know, from there that Tom... He goes through a lot of days where he's miserable. He's binge drinking. Oh my god! I eating <laughs> Twinkies. I hate you so much for not relating to the like getting drunk on Jack Daniels and orange juice at like ten in the morning. Well, I didn't really drink at the at the very young point in my life when I experienced this. Like I wasn't at drinking age yet, so I couldn't have had that experience anyway. Well, I just related to the whole going on a self hating bender. <laughs> I related to that a lot. Not necessarily out of heartbreak, but just the self hating bender. Nah, I just had to deal with my emotions the old-fashioned way. Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I used alcohol like a real healthy man does. And I, you know, again, then then 
Tom does other things that I that I oh my god, done, which is like, hey, you try to talk to other women. I love that scene because it goes to show you how really like it goes to show you that part of Tom that I think we all relate to, but we don't use or we don't like to admit. Because the thing about the thing about um, Summer is that she's a stock. Like I think, like just reading through the through the Wikipedia, right? They mention that she's like a stock female character, mm-hmm. and because that's the way Tom sees her, right? This mm-hmm. whole movie's almost uh, completely from Tom's point of view. Yeah. Um, and when he goes out, you know, they sent, he gets sent up by Paul and Robin on this blind date with the girl. Uh, really attractive girl, and he straight up tells her right from the beginning, hey, this isn't going to go anywhere. And he starts going on and on about Summer, and he tell, he talks to her about Summer, right? And I think this brings up something that I think us guys do tend to do, where we kind of, we don't feel comfortable talking about our emotions with our friends, so we put that emotional baggage on our female friends, Mm-hmm. Who we do feel comfortable with, and even though, but it, you know what you do, you you are when you have those kinds of conversations with friends, female or male friends, you're fishing for sympathy. That's all it is, yeah. Like you, you are just just a god. You are doing whatever you can to make yourself oh, feel like me. the true victim of 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 this entire situation, mm-hmm. and you want people to feel sorry for you. And then you just, uh, but, you know, the thing I'm more relating, or the thing that I wanted to bring up was just the fact that he's like, again, it's the whole using women for what he thinks they're right. for. She's, they're, she's less a person and more an object for Yeah, him. And, you know, when she pretty much calls him out, was like, yo, did she say this was, a, she was looking for a boyfriend? Did she want this to be serious? Like, and then he kind of like... What does he do? He immediately gets drunk and goes back to like fucking karaoke night. Well, it, the other thing too is it's just it's it's also important to notice that just because your first thought of a woman isn't sex, it doesn't mean that you're not objectifying them. Yep. And he has spent his entire relationship with Summer objectifying her. Yep. Maybe you know, like you said, not necessarily in a sexual way, but as like that object of his affection, that yep. object of his love, that you know she becomes that. That, uh, for lack of a better term, pussy on a pedestal. <laughs> and, you know, he, like, prays to it, and he loves it, but that's, you know, he puts her up so high up, he can never really truly, or she can never really truly fit into what his idea of love is. Mm-hmm. And then there's a the moment where, like, you know, there's some time later, he ends up meeting, I guess, uh, a co-worker that, that Summer and, and Tom both had at one point because she had quit she's quit the greeting card company some time ago at this oh, point. Oh yeah, she moved away, she quit and Tom eventually quits as well after going on a huge rant about how love is dead. Yeah. <laughs> and he has this Again, this woe is me. It's immature. Yeah, it's it a is, very immature. It reaction. is a highly immature like I'm surprised that no one just like threw him out of there or like just like I'm surprised they let him quit and yeah. didn't immediately call security to come <laughs> grab him because he starts talking about how everything is bullshit and how love is bullshit and these lies we all tell each other. Well, that's the cringy aspect of it too, right? Yeah, that it's like because it's not it's not that he truly feels this way. It's just that he's very hurt. 
Yeah, that's the manifesto I was telling you about. Yeah. That's the shit that if you fucking put in a journal, you would think, oh, crap, this guy's going to shoot someplace up. Yeah, unfortunately, like, yeah. It's, you know, there's no way there's no way to just not think about that at this point. At this time, yeah. like, ten years after this movie has, has been made, right? Um, so they run into each other on a train on the way to this former co-worker's wedding. Um, and it looks like they're kind of reigniting their flame a little bit. I mean, it's as far a- as Tom is concerned, they are. Yeah, like that's the other thing. Like this he is goes a- bling. This is another moment where I feel like I've kind of experienced as well, where it's like it, this is post the actual relationship, but there's a moment where it's like you know it, you have to you have to think of the fact that someone you just broke up with is also searching their own feelings. As hard mm-hmm. a decision it was them for them to make it, they're not fully sure of whether it's the right thing to do or not. They're probably more sure than you are, yep. and they've probably arrived at the right decision in a lot faster way, and mm-hmm. that's the thing, and, that, and that's why I identified so much with Tom. It's like, yeah, it's like when you have a moment like this where the other person is maybe remorseful or isn't totally sure of, you know, that they made the right decision, it's like you make the again it's another thing where you kind of start making illusions again of the fact that okay this is where now we're all going to get back together and then everything's going to change and this is where the guy gets the girl again yeah they like sit at the kids table at the wedding they dance together they drink it summer catches the bouquet which i'm in hindsight when you get to the end of the movie holy shit i forgot about that yeah and um you know, and they're on the train together, and Summer's resting her head on his shoulders, and he's just happy thinking that everything has changed. Yep. And that's when she decides to invite him to a party that is taking place at her apartment. I love this scene going into the party where they, the first, like, begin or the beginning, right? Or throughout the party, they have it split into what yep. his expectations are and the reality is. And the expectation is that Summer... So happy to see him. She spends the whole day, the whole night with him. Only him, even though it's her party that yeah. she's hosting with all her friends. Again, this isn't a party for you, for people that you know. This is a party where I. <laughs> this is my party. Yeah, like you're you're gonna get back together with me. We're gonna rekindle our romance. Um, it's gonna be exactly like something in a movie. And this is how it's gonna happen. So the left side of the screen is the expectation. And then the right side is the reality. Yep, and the entire time it goes exactly what you'd think a party like that would go. Is Summer's being a host, she's talking to her friends, um, Tom is kind of on the outs, he kind of tries to be in the mix, but never really, like, he feels uncomfortable, he's visibly uncomfortable. He gets her a gift, he gets her the book that he was reading, quote-unquote reading, on the train when he first saw Summer again, and... She, you know, he was expecting for her to be very grateful, and she was just like, oh, you shouldn't have. And, like, you know, yeah, she was happy mm-hmm. she got a gift. Um, but the biggest difference is that while his expectation was that he was going to spend the night make out and, well, you know, do the no-pants dance, the reality was that Summer show was showing off an engagement ring to one of her friends. And this just destroys Tom at this yeah. point. Yeah. And he goes into a really deep depression. Oh, this is the hangover scene. So yeah. he goes into the deep depression. This is when he really starts drinking. Um, this is when he goes into the conference room and talks about how love is dead and all this shit. And, you know, 
I think this is what um I think it was his sister I think at one point points out to him that the only reason this really hurts is because he's only focusing on the good and he's only focusing on the positive from his point of view of the relationships mm-hmm. um and and it's his sister who really kind of makes him reevaluate like everything that's happened and to kind of think about not just the good moments that they had together but and, to think about the actual moments that were more like what really happened and it ties every and it's so interesting because the next couple scenes are when he realizes that like some some of the, the some of the not so cool things some of the shitty things summer would do right but it ties back to the very beginning when during the breakup when she compares them to Sid, Sid Vicious and Nancy, whatever her name mm-hmm. was. Sid and Nancy. Yeah, Sid and Nancy. And then she's like, oh, he's like, oh, Sid stabbed Nancy seven times. He goes, I would never do that to you. And then she goes, no, I'm Sid. Yeah. And then he goes, so that makes me Nancy? And, like, he didn't, he didn't really, like, it didn't really click, right? But the whole point, even because even Summer has this enough self-awareness to be like, yo, this isn't healthy. I think I'm hurting you. Yeah. So let's break up before, you know, I cause irreparable harm. Summer is very, like, Summer cares about him. Yep. Summer may not love him the way that he wants her to love him. but She, she loves him as a friend. But, and, she, but, yeah. she, but she absolutely cares about him. And she loves him, or at least cares about him enough to make the right choice to break it off. Yep. And unfortunately, I mean, well, fortunately, in, 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 in many cases as well, is you do need someone to be the one that finally puts their foot down and says, hey, this isn't going to work anymore. We got to call it now, and that's it. Like, yep. that is, that is, and that is, you know, someone in the relationship or... A doomed relationship has to be the one that just makes that decision for the other person. Yeah. You know? And I forgot what it was that he noted. He started noticing. Um, like, she wasn't... Like, she would... Well, he would offer stuff, and then she would shut it down, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, she would be like, oh, can we go back to your place for or something? Just hang out? Yeah. And she goes, no, I want to do this. Like... Yeah. She... You know, you go back, you look back, and you realize... There were certain times she was treating Tom the way Tom was treating Summer, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And at this point, you know, Tom's deep in his depression, but one day he finally wakes up and he has the energy that he wants to actually architect, you know, or whatever. He, he I don't know what the fuck the term is that you're supposed to do, but he actually starts doing uh, architect stuff. So he starts... Um, you know, he starts uh, drawing, like he starts drawing plans of the city and the cityscape. He starts going to uh, architecture firms, like he starts going on uh, uh, for job interviews. Well, and- which is what you do, right? Like this is once you've gotten over the initial grieving process at the end of a relationship, is many people, like I know I, know, I, I went through like a period where I was losing weight. You know, like, you lose that relationship weight. Yeah. You start thinking about, like, how you look again. You start kind of getting out there and talking to people. You you start, you know, trying to make friends, like, that aren't 
the people that you knew only because of this relationship, you know? And you get the hot Cheeto-stained t-shirt off and start <laughs> washing it. You stop watching so much pornography, like... <laughs> you stop fucking... You start throwing away, like, the 700 cans of Arizona iced tea you have around your room. No, nope, just me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is on day 488, which is... Not 500 days yet. No, nope. 12 uh, days away. Um, he Tom ends up on at the park where they played the penis game earlier penis. in the film. Which oh, is, that's right. I love that. Fi- I mean, I love that scene. It's a, it's a really funny scene. It's funny because I used to do that in high school. <laughs> yeah, but they end up being back at that park again, um, and Tom is just, you know, they meet and then she is married. She like mentions to him that she just happened to meet her husband because he asked about a book that she was reading yep and it's just one of those things where he kind of and i definitely felt this because i didn't this this is at least in my experience this is how it is you know your relationships and and love and all that kind of stuff is not fate it's not something that's predetermined mm-hmm. it's one of those things where i in my opinion i think it's chance you just <laughs> happen to be in the right moment at the right time with the right person oh story time the whole the whole way i met and ended up with my current or my girlfriend right now. Um, uh, she had every right not to answer my texts because <laughs> I met her at a party at a friend's house and I got really drunk because he's like, "Hey, Javi, I need this party to be fun," and I was like, "I got you." So I got drunk, obviously. <laughs> so you know, when I met her, I just started talking with her, and I think I came off very charming at the time and then at a certain point i had one too many and then the charm kind of wore off and i just turned into like a huge slop <laughs> oh so you <laughs> turned like, into tom's friend at yes the karaoke i bar. turned into tom's friend <laughs> and when i asked for my girlfriend's number like you know Apparently it was super awkward because like it got quiet all of a sudden and I just go, Yo, let me get your number <laughs> And she goes, Oh, okay <laughs> So we exchanged numbers and then like, you know, once the hangover wore off I texted her and I was just like, Hey, you know hopefully I didn't leave too much of a bad impression. Can I get a second <laughs> chance at a first impression? And I'm like completely expected her to ignore me, right? Yeah. Cause I and I, you know, at that point I was just like, Look Living, I shot my shot. If it worked, cool. If it didn't, it didn't. And turns out it did. And, you know, two, almost three years later, here we are. You know, and now she's completely supporting my podcast because she loves me and cares about me. And I'll know if she listened to this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so when he talks to Summer, you know, she, she, she basically tells Tom that the reason why she got married to this guy is because... She felt sure about everything with him in a way that she didn't feel sure about things with Tom. And that hurts to hear. It something hurts to like hear that. that. And, and his friends had told him that. His friends asked him why it wasn't something that he was in a... You know, why Why aren't they a couple? Why aren't they labeling what yeah. their relationship is? And and he, you know, he, he wasn't fully... Com- he wasn't comfortable with the idea of the fact that, they couldn't, that he couldn't call her his girlfriend. He wanted answers, damn it! But he pretended he did because that's what he felt was going to get him the goal that he wanted which is to eventually make her fall in love with him because he's a nice guy <laughs> and um you know and his friends are pretty like clear. they were the first ones to tell it to him but he didn't it didn't really hit home until he heard it from summer herself yep 
And in in a moment of growth, because there was a lot of times in this conversation where you know where he has that line and goes, "Well, you just go and do," you know, like he asked her, "Oh, why did you, why did you sleep on my shoulder? Why did you dance with me? Why did you ride up with me?" And then she goes, "Because I wanted to." And then he goes, "Well, you just do whatever you want to, don't you?" And like you know, like you do have those types of feelings. Like that, and then he also fishes for sympathy because he tells her, he goes, "I," he goes. It's crazy finding out everything that you thought was real was bullshit. And she calls him out and was like, you still believe in that shit? Like, not everything is some grand design. No, no, she does. She does. He actually did change her mm-hmm. in in a way that, that he was not expecting. Like, she basically admits to him, no, you were right. It's just me you weren't right about. Oh, yeah, she does say that. And that is the, that's a moment where it's like, yes. He actually made her make a fundamental change in how she was feeling, but it just wasn't the right person that he was involved with. And then at the end of the movie, he's interviewing for a job at an architecture firm, and then he runs into a woman in the lobby who is interviewing for the same job as him. Right off the bat, this is play- the, the, the woman is played by Minka Kelly, also known as uh, Lila, Lila Rafferty? Garrity? Whatever, same shit. From Friday Night Lights? From Friday Night Lights. So, America's Sweetheart? (laughs) Sure. Shut up. (laughs) Don't judge me. Right off the bat, she already has ten times more personality in, like, the first couple seconds she's here than fucking Summer has had the entire movie, in my opinion. Well, probably because, at this point, the rose-colored glasses of Tom's love fantasy are off. Because, again, everything is through Tom's stupid point of view. It is, yeah. And Tom shoots his shot, and he, you know, they find out they're both applying for the same job. Tom says, well, I hope you don't get the job, and she's like, right back at you, homeboy. Well, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But, um, you know, Tom figures he's going to shoot his shot. He gets up, and they call his name for the interview, and he goes back and tells her, hey, whenever you're done with this, maybe we should get coffee. And she says, oh, well, I was supposed to meet someone after. And instead of doing anything weird, he's just like, like, okay, cool. And he just walks back over, and then the girl stops him. And she's, you know, she changes her mind and says, oh, well, yeah, let's do it. And then she... Uh, he asks her her name. And her name is Autumn. Yeah. Which... Yeah. <laughs> Look, this is the point of it where it's like... But it's so fucking on the nose, the changing of the seasons and the changing. Yeah, of the but this movie does a lot that's just kind of fantastic. You just, you you, just let, it go. You let it go. You let it go. And it's also, I mean, even though this isn't the point, the I mean, the point of it isn't the relationship that he's going to start with Autumn. It's the fact that this might be where where it gets serious. Now you never know, but at least now the five hundred get... days of summer or the stylized counter changes from five hundred to one. Yeah. And it's just like, it's finally him moving on, and he'll probably take everything that he learned from this doomed romance, this failed relationship, and he'll be able to do things very differently this next time. And my similar experience in my life to this is, you know, it's like, in the moment where I went through what Tom was going through in this movie, at the end of it, once you get out on the other side... Shortly after that, I, you know, I, I, I dropped my illusions about what I thought love should be, and I decided to just kind of go with the flow, and as, you know, as the universe would have it somehow, that's when I ended up meeting the woman who is now my wife and mother of my child, and again, it's just one of those things where it's like by chance these kinds of things just happen, 
And I, this movie is, again, I connect to it on a much more personal level than any other movie I think we've ever seen on this podcast. Nah, I still connect to The Mummy pretty hard. <laughs> um, so I think it's important for us to kind of, you know, I mean, now that we've talked about all we can talk about with this film, do we like 500 Days of Summer? I like it. I never want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's super weird to feel that way about a movie. Like, I really do like it. I thought... It's very, it's very much a movie of its time. It's definitely a 2009 movie, right? Yeah. Um, and for all intents and purposes, this is very much like... It's a weird coming-of-age movie for guys. It's a coming-of-age movie for guys, and it actually is a movie that, for as not that long ago as it was, it feels dated. And very much so. It's only been 10 years, yeah. but so much has changed like culturally in 10 years that, you know, like... I. I I think everyone needs to watch this movie at one point. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sure how much Gen Zers are going to identify with it the same way ex- that millennials do. Exactly. This movie is definitely for your guys in your late 20s and in in early 30s that, like, you know, like to reminisce about that sort of shit. Like yeah. you said, yeah. Guys Gen- who are coming of age at the time that this movie is taking place at. Like, that. this is probably going to be the folks that resonates harder harder for and also it's going to resonate with the people that had to put up with guys who were coming of age during Big that time, time you know absolutely because you're going to see some of your friends in this movie you're going to see some of your brothers your 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 boyfriends your you know you're going to see people that you knew yeah. and it's it's you know it's it's interesting because like i told you this movie made me cringe super hard Oh, yeah. Like, super hard. But it only makes me cringe because it reminds me of moments in my life where I did this shit. Exactly. (laughs) And I read this... I saw this meme somewhere that was like, if you don't look back on your life and cringe, you haven't grown. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's I relate to that thing, and I relate to this movie for that very same I look same back reason. on Facebook posts from three years ago, and I cringe. Oh, yeah, we said some dumb <laughs> shit to each other three years ago. <laughs> but, yeah, like, very much so. I like this movie. I thought the art direction was really interesting. The it, hipster it, music. I felt like this really did bring about, like, this is a very much a proto-hipster film, and it brought a lot of, like, hipster styles. Just, um, yeah. I, I would I would agree. I like this film. I don't feel like I, it's a movie that I need to watch all the time. Again, it's a movie that I waited about nearly nine years to watch again from the first time that I'd seen it. But one of the things that I did appreciate and what I would probably recommend to someone is watch it for the first time if you have the capacity to in your, in your early 20s around the time that, you know, that the characters in this film are. You know, and We're talking to you, you fucking edgelords. <laughs> this is your time. And maybe watch it again when you're at a different point in your life where you kind of discovered love in a different way than you had when you were younger. Now, my recommendation for those people that still are quote-unquote nice guys after watching 500 Days of Summer, you watch this movie and immediately put on the always-be-closing scene from Glengarry Glen Ross and you change selling houses to getting a girlfriend... And you let Alec Baldwin yell at you for five minutes <laughs> about how being nice ain't shit. <laughs> and then that will make you change your mind. Um, so we'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we're sorry for the hiatus that we had to take and for the sudden shift in our schedule. But we hope you guys are excited to join us next week because next week we are finally arriving at the movie in the Star Wars franchise that is my absolute favorite. 
we are getting to The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I'm so happy for it. <laughs> I'm actually am. It's the new trilogy where we're gonna punch each other in the dick. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still in the prestige portion of this uh, franchise that I'm super excited about. Again, the original trilogy is one that I haven't I haven't revisited as much since the Disney trilogy started coming out, so I'm very excited to see it. I know I'm still going to feel about it the same way that I had these last two to three years, yep. and that's it. Empire Strikes Back is still my favorite, but I'd like you to come and join us anyway, even though you already know how I feel about it. Anyway, so we got Empire Strikes Back. We still want to do do the right thing. Um, what else we got? Because we said we're going to push back uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so I think that's about it right now. Uh, we probably got a couple of the Star Wars reviews. we got to get back on those. We definitely want to do, do the right thing. Especially if this heat keeps up. Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. <laughs> I think it will definitely be fitting. So, uh, But yeah, continue to interact with us on IG and Facebook. Probably IG is the best way to get a hold of us. At for sure. Do we like movies pod? Um, and, and yeah, thanks for everyone that's been downloading, reviewing, checking us out, and you know, waiting, waiting ever so uh, patiently for the next episode to drop. So uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Editors.